This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network, the only dedicated hunting, shooting and fishing radio show here in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about AHP, visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to email us, then you can go to the website and click on the contact icon. Or alternatively, you can email me directly at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to the Australian Hunting Podcast, you can visit the website and click on the archived podcast link. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes for automatic updates. Make sure you leave a comment and rate us five stars on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. On Facebook, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast, where listeners are sharing ideas, thoughts and opinions, as well as photos and videos twitter.com forward slash ah podcast if you'd like to follow our twitter feed you can also check out my videos on youtube under the name aussie federal control alternatively all social media links can be found on the website everyone knows i love my listeners but i've got especially some extra special love for my donating listeners if you'd like to donate or do a monthly subscription to the show go to the website and click on the donate button on the right hand side of the main page and show your support which is always appreciated that helps us keeps the lights on in this joint and pay those bills we have over 65 hours of free podcasting audio content to date for you all to enjoy Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people as you know into hunting, shooting and fishing as possible so they can enjoy this fantastic lifestyle that we all love. So as usual, without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Kyle Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Jeff Jones, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Really good to have you with me today to talk about everything's firearm, hunting, and everything in between. It's my pleasure, Jason. Good evening. Absolutely. Um, I guess, Jeff, I mean, tell us about yourself. I mean, do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above, and what do you enjoy? Well, all of the above, Jason. Uh, to be quite frank, probably don't get as much time as uh, I, I used to, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yes, yes, I, um, I, all these days I, I hunt and, and fish uh, what time I get. I don't target shoot much anymore. Um, <clears throat> that, um, that takes um, organised time. I grab time when I can. In fact, I've, I was away last weekend um, chasing red deer and I'll be away this weekend chasing red deer <laughs> again as well. Any so, luck? And, uh, as a, sorry? Any, any luck in the, on the red deer? Uh, any luck? Uh, well, yes. It depends what you, what you consider luck. Yeah, I saw, saw plenty, but I'm at an age and a stage now where I'm very selective in, in what I choose to take. And um, as I say, plenty of uh, opportunity. I've been doing it for a long time. And um, as I say, uh, always satisfying just to be there, um, just to, to enjoy the experience um, when, when we get to that stage. It's really worthwhile. So. But no, no, I enjoy the outdoors generally. Uh, Jason always have. Uh, and I hope I can continue to do it for a number of years to come. So. 
Absolutely. Did you, when you were growing up, was this um, something you, your family did? Was, you, was your father a hunter or a shooter? Was it a family tradition or how did you get into it? No, uh, Jason, it's very, very interesting. People have asked me this before. No, I, uh, my, my family wasn't specifically involved. My grandfather had um, uh, hunted when he was uh, very young, but uh, my family was not involved in hunting um, or shooting in any way, shape or form. But it was, um, well, for whatever reason, it was in my genes. I always had an interest in it, um, had an inkling toward it. And um, I must admit, I remember even, even before that age, but when I was 17, you could buy a firearm when you were 17, in Queensland, um, I went and got my um, driver's um, learner's permit on my 17th birthday, and went down and I bought my first firearm, which I could I could do legally at that stage. Um, so I was obviously you know straining at the bit to try to do that, and from there it just hasn't stopped. That was uh, you know quite a quite a time ago. But as I say, but the um, it's in the in the genes, and um, I've um, I've continued that for. Uh, well, let's just say now for over 40 years. So, uh, yeah, it's Absolutely. Been, it's been a great ride. <laughs> I'm sure it has. Um, what do you, what sort of, I know you just said obviously you enjoy hunting. You said you had hunting red deer. Um, do you enjoy the hunting and do you join, do you only deer hunt or you, you know, target a, a wide range of, of, of species or what do you enjoy to hunt? Oh, look, over my, my life experience, Jason, no, as I say, I, I come from Queensland and uh, mate, I've spent an awful lot of time um, um, chasing pigs, hunting pigs um, in earlier days. I uh, don't get a lot of chance to do that too much anymore, but uh, a number of deer species, um, uh, goats, you know, foxes, rabbits, uh, I've hunted buffalo, I've hunted overseas deer, um, and um, uh, dogs, um, wild dogs, uh, as I say, most uh, most things I've I've, uh, I've uh, pursued most things in the, in my time and and actually uh, in in the days when we used to buy projectiles by the the thousand and powder, powder by the carton so I, I have actually done a, done a fair bit of shooting and hunting and um, in and in between there I've done a quite a bit of target shooting as well which I sort of got into to be quite frank to hone my hunting skills so one complemented the other and that's where I got involved with clubs and the like uh, through um, through target shooting. Yep, and what about disciplines you were saying, like target deer? Because I, I enjoy me clay targets, so I really enjoy that. I like my pistol shooting. I do like my rifles as well for hunting as well. Did you do, was it purely just target shooting, or did you do any, any shotgunning or any pistols or anything like that? Absolutely, mate. Um, my pistol, <laughs> pistol shooting, uh, clay target shooting. I've shot black powder. I've shot uh, uh, any number of uh, different rifle disciplines over the time, and that's the great thing about uh, shooting as a sport. When you actually tire, or I suppose, of, of one discipline, I always find that I can move sideways into another one. I don't have to get out of shooting as a sport. I, I've just over a period moved sideways in, into another. And that's, that's the great part. And reloading, of course, um, supplements uh, most of them. Uh, the only thing is, of course, uh, you know, black powder. You haven't got to worry about reloading there. And shotgunning <laughs> these days, um, it's generally cheaper to buy shells than it is to reload. Um, that's so right. that's the other thing. And you don't have to side in with, uh, with clay target work. So that's another good one when you press for time. <laughs> exactly. How did you get involved with? With the uh, Sporting uh, Shooters Association, um, was it something that you know came naturally, or was it something that you wanted to do? Get involved in in, in the club. 
Well, not, not particularly, uh, Jason. Actually, uh, I, uh, I first joined uh, WSAA in October 1968, and um, uh, there was only one branch here in Queensland at that stage, and that was uh, Brisbane. I think we've got 77 branches now, thereabouts. So anyway, uh, I, um, I, I was um, interested primarily in hunting. I needed somewhere to, to um, sight my rifle in to work up my loads, and, and as we as we do. And um, from there, I had a, uh, a friend uh, call around one night and um, said, "Look, what do you think about starting a, a, a branch um, outside of Brisbane, the second branch in Queensland?" I said, well, look, that sounds like a good idea. It's an awful long way for me to go to, to uh, Belmont to sight in uh, my gun. So we, uh, we kicked off. I was one of the, the, um, the, the founding members of, um, of, the, of the second branch here in, uh, in Queensland. We kicked off from there. And basically, it was somewhere to go and um, work up our loads, then, then to hone our, our skills. And from there, once you get involved in administration, it just autom- <laughs> automatically follows, I suppose. You, know, you sort of get, get on, the, on the merry-go-round, and it becomes a, a little bit hard to get off. So it's, it simply followed from there. So I've, I followed through from there as a, as a founding member of, uh, of branches. And then I've, I've served in most, um, most positions um, um, within branches as well. So I would like to think that I do know the organisation from the, from the bottom up, as I say. I've done the done the bit. I've dug holes with a crowbar and cut trees with an axe and, and all that sort of jazz like uh, most of the older guys um, did in those days. It wasn't just uh, laid out for us. But, but yeah, so it's, as I say, it's been a very, very uh, enjoyable time. I've made some fantastic uh, friends along the way, the, the friends I've made, uh, you know, with, with hunting and, and, the, and the clubs and target shooting and so forth, um, all, all been a, a total mix, I might put it that way. And, of course, then, then we got, I got involved with lobbying. I think the first... Um, First um, political uh, uh, lobbying that I did was about 1972 or three. So I've been doing that pretty consistently since then. First time we went to represent or represent um, ourselves to a to a member of parliament, and it was over firearms issues. We thought we were being, you know, pressed at that point in time. So we were we were right onto it. So I've, uh, I've got a bit of a uh, bit of background and experience in that as well. Yep. What about becoming uh, president? As we had a chat before, we on the email as well. I've had Dean Mile, former president. I had a great chat with him. Some great stuff came out of that interview, and people really liked it. So, how did you want to be? You know, once Dean obviously stepped down, how did you want to come into that role? And you know, what, I guess what can you bring to the role uh, for the future of the SSAA? Well, I must confess, in any of the roles that I've taken on, Jason, I've never—I must admit—I've never probably really aspired to be. Um, anything in particular it's one of those things probably uh, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say reluctant but if I, I'm just one of those people if there's a job there to be done I won't shoot from it I'll step up and, and do the job and if, if I've uh, got support um, uh, around me well that's fine I just get on, get on and do it so um, as I say the um, uh, I, I was uh, I was vice president to uh, to Dean there's a job to be done um, there I've served on the national board ever since it was formed in uh, 1997 and um, <clears throat> um, as I say, from from there, uh, Dean, uh, as I say, he had a lot going on in his life at, the, at that particular point in time. He uh, um, he was um, uh, a good man uh, for the association, and um, he stepped aside. I uh, I was uh, approached, and I was happy to to step up to the to the plate. So. From uh, from there, as I say, I, I believe that I can bring, uh, or I do bring, a, a wealth of um, of uh, knowledge and experience of the association. As I said earlier, I've I've really um, I feel I've done the hard yards in the association. There's there's not an awful lot that I haven't been involved with or haven't done. Therefore, um, I bring that, and hopefully a, a a balanced point of view. I'm uh, I would like to think that I'm uh, 
I have strong views. I've got an opinion on most things. You don't get to these positions without. But um, by the same token, I've got strong views. But by the same token, I like to think that I can temper them with uh, with common sense and um, with an outlook to achieving uh, some sort of a positive outcome. I've I've learned and I've I've done it over the years, taken the hairy chested approach to thump the odd table in the time. Um, but I found that that very very rarely ever gets you the result that you are wanting or uh, the result that you need to get. And I've um, found that um, you do um, catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. So, as I say, I, I would hope that I will uh, uh, bring a balance and um, and take uh, take some of this forward, build on the the very very good work that uh, predecessors have done since 1948. Yep. Speaking of that, where you said sometimes you know getting upset may not get us the results that I want. Now, now when I interviewed Dean, I just again I don't, I'm not going to speak for Dean because we had a great chat on the show, but I, I felt that. The way he was speaking, and I got a few emails about this, Jeff, that things within the double SAA and how I interpreted what Dean said, that things moved kind of slowly. He wanted to uh, make things move along quickly. That's Again, that's only my opinion. Would you, would you say that was true, that things do move slowly and things don't move quickly within the double SAA? And look at that. That's that's it's not an unreasonable sort of um, proposal, uh, Jason. Yep. Uh, Dean certainly came from a background where um, you know the, the, he he could make things happen. Uh, let's say relatively quickly. Yep. Um, it, it was a, it was a different uh, world that he, he came from. But um, with the double SAA, because of its very structure and its nature, um, things can't happen instantly. Um, and people do get the wrong idea. As the national president, um, to be quite frank, I am the servant of everyone. I, I, I am not in charge. I am not the master. I do have some latitude, but what I do under the constitutional structure of SSAA is largely by, um, if you like, influence and um, um, persuasion and uh, bringing together the ideas and that's that's the role of the president of SSAA because I must explain that SSAA uh, National has only eight full members and yep. they are the states and territories. It is actually a federation um, as an organisation. It's an organisation of organisations. Each state and territory is an organisation in its own right, uh, constituted and structured to suit its individual state or territory's needs and, and legislation and all that sort of thing. It sounds easy from the outside saying, oh, we should be do this and we should do that. Well, yep. unfortunately, I don't know. I wouldn't want Western Australia's firearms laws in Queensland, <laughs> and I'm sure you yep. wouldn't want them no. in New South Wales. No. Therefore, that's why it is different, and to a point it probably needs to be different. And that's one of the things that actually, it's that, that structure and the necessity of that structure that can sometimes appear as though it's, it's um, working slowly. But we have to um, balance the, the needs and the interests of each state, each member, um, at, at a given point in time so that we try and get it right for, for everyone because a premature um, action uh, on our part can jeopardise a situation in, in one or uh, more states at a given point in time. What we think might be a great idea, somebody says, well, oh, what did you do that for? We were just negotiating this and we've got these restrictions on us. Now that's actually shut, and we've seen that happen before, so that's actually shut down on, on all the good work we've done. So it's, um, it's a fairly fine balancing act considering 
who we're um, dealing with on, on the other side of the coin, as, as you will appreciate, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted to play, there was a good interview uh, you did, Jeff, Radio Live NZ, I think it was on the 2nd of the 11th, 14, so late last year with Mark uh, Sainsbury from Radio Live NZ. I'm just gonna, we're actually not going to hear that, but I'm going to play that for the listeners, then we'll come back, and uh, cool. I wanted the listeners to have a listen to this just to, to see what you said, uh, then we'll come back and we'll uh, ask the question. So we'll play that now. And we're talking guns. We're talking guns around the world. We've just been listening to Paul Clark uh, from the New Zealand Council Licensed Firearm Owners. Now I'm joined from Australia by Jeff Jones. He is the um, he is the he is the president of the Sporting Shooters Association of Australia. Hey, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Hello. Yes, Mark. Hey, thanks. Look, thanks for joining us. The the impression you get of Australia, and I suppose this is all, um, you know, post the Port Arthur massacre that that you know they brought in very very strong gun controls. I mean, I you know I can even remember old uh, John Howard going to one of the meetings when they came in with a bulletproof vest on, which I don't think went down well with your members. Absolutely, that's right. An insult to say the least. The least uh, to the integrity of uh, of decent law-abiding Australians. So, how does it lie? there at the moment? I mean, how would you sort of sum up the, the, the gun laws? What, what, what can you own in Australia? Well, uh, um, Mark, depending on the scale of access, you, you can own most things. It's just the, the, the access and the compliance that sort of, to be quite frank, is driving us um, uh, mad. I, 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 I appeared before a Senate inquiry just on Friday, actually, in relation to firearm storage and, and handguns, a push by the uh, the Greens in Australia to, to further restrict this. But to be quite frank, it was interesting what has come out of that inquiry in that the actual uh, evidence, the statistical evidence and the research indicate that um, there's been a huge waste of money in trying to... Uh, uh, research and get data on this where we can um, have uh, uh, 22 bolt action. Semi-automatics have been the uh, the big focus that we can't have in Australia and to be quite frank, um, we, we understand that they're, they're targeting the, the, the very bad stuff and you see in America assault rifles and the like but they've take, they take everything to extreme. They've taken it to extreme and we've had to work very, very hard and the, as has the authorities um, to uh, keep some level of balance over the last 17 or 18 years. But there's been no demonstrable benefit in public safety. New Zealand is enjoying a very, very comparable level of, um, of public safety with um, some extremely workable gun laws. And um, I think you guys have, have got a, about right, to be quite frank. Canada's just thrown out what they had was some very draconian uh, legislation. They, they found that it was just a waste of time and money and it had no uh, public benefit. And uh, as I say, New Zealand reviewed their uh, their situation many, many years ago. But could Canada possibly change? Because that's the other thing, Jeff. It is very political, and 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 you know things happen that scare. Because if people are not into guns, if they're not gun enthusiasts, guns scare a lot of people, don't they? Well, well, that, that's right, and it, it's a, of course it's a perception rather than a reality. And of course, if people are uh, not given the facts or. or you know, given a, a, a misconception uh, uh, of what it's about, that it, they can be uh, scary. But then again, it's no good hey, people being frightened of the dark. You talked about that Senate inquiry you were speaking of. That's quite interesting. It's led by the Greens. But there's a lot of concern, isn't there, in Australia about guns falling into the hands of the criminals. Yes. You think they've got it wrong on that, and, and, and I think, as you've alluded to already, I mean, a, a lot of the data, a lot of the information it's all based on is dodgy. 
Well, you, you, you use the word. That's right. Uh, and that was that was uh, consistently reported by by most people authorities, including many of the police forces, to suggest that the data that, that they were uh, collating and and uh, using the raw data um, was giving a, a false impression of uh, where they were going. Um, there's been no structure for the for the initial collection of that data. And of course, it, as I said at the incident inquiry, it's a case of um, the old. You know, garbage in, garbage out. Not the fault of the final um, um, arbiters of the of the data, but um, the uh, it, it's it's just um, you know wrong. And the fact that uh, we have very, very porous borders here in in Australia, and there are there is, you know there are some instances of, th- of theft, which is what they're indicating on. But you know, we can never stop that. But um, we, we've got a, a huge poss- uh, problem with potential import, and because they can't identify it, they refuse to acknowledge it. That is a very dangerous situation. They hit in the sand. But could you turn it round, Jeff? If you say, look, a lot of the data around it, a lot of the research is dodgy, people are making mistakes over stuff, couldn't that work both ways? Couldn't it say, well, listen, then we don't really know what's going on with the situation with guns in this country. Oh, it could Mark, be worse. Absolutely, Mark. Um, and, and that's what we're saying. Good good data. We're, we're, we're always happy as a representative group to work with good data, good science, and have fact. Uh, sorry, decisions made based on fact rather than on supposition, then we'd all be much better off. So uh, the gun, the, the, the situation then at the moment, if there is no changes in terms of the inquiry, the situation for gun... So in, in, in Australia, is the, is the owner licensed or is the weapon licensed? Uh, well, technically both. The owner is licensed, very uh, stringent um, uh, process to uh, uh, obtain a, a personal licence first. Then every individual gun that you own has to be specifically applied for, individually applied for, and then added to your your um, your permit. And then you have a permit for each of those guns. Every time a gun is, is sold or transferred, it is recorded against the seller, the purchaser, through through a licensed dealer. There's no personal um, sale of firearms. So it's it's a it's a top heavy system, and no one's saying for a second that individuals shouldn't be licensed. We actually, as an organisation, support that. We don't want the wrong people having guns. Hey, how many how many people do you reckon do own guns in Australia? Well, the estimate's um, something like seven hundred thousand at, at the moment. That's licensed um, uh, licensed uh, firearms owners, um, but of course. You've got to remember, we didn't have licensing um, in a broad-based situation uh, before '96. Some states did, um, and there are estimates that could be um, that could be you know, anything up to two million um, firearms owners. So, you know, many of them, which are who are now illegitimate. Um, but with the stroke of a political pen, they've declared criminals overnight. <laughs> hey, Jeff Jones, the president of the Sporting Shooters Association of Australia. Thanks for joining us here on Radio Live this morning. You're very welcome, Mark. My pleasure. Jeff, well, we just heard the uh, radio live NZ uh, with Mark Sainsbury, the interview then. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. And uh, you did say a few things that were very interesting uh, during that interview. Now, you sp- said to the interviewer that uh, NZ had the balance uh, pretty much right. As you know, in 1996, John Howard took away a lot of our freedoms. Uh, and you did say just during the interview that NZ had the balance right. I mean, can you expand on that for our listeners in regards to what you think uh, about the NZ laws and would they work here in Australia? Look, uh, yeah, certainly happy to expand on it, Jason. Um, look, I, I'm not suggesting that, that the NZ laws are absolutely perfect. There's a couple of hairs on them, and I would caution everybody before they uh, they rush at some of this stuff. But 
Um, we've um, we've worked fairly closely with our um, our comrades in uh, in NZ over um, over a period of uh, years, and so we've got a pretty good understanding. The um, they have tried registration over there, as uh, most people uh, are aware, and um, they found that basically it didn't work. It didn't have any beneficial effect. There was no net benefit to the community. They didn't make the community didn't make community any safer um, and it came at a substantial cost very similar to the Canadian experience um, on, on which the Australian experience is, is based or the, the Australian model now they've found that they went round and round in, in ever decreasing circles and had no net benefit but at a staggering cost and um, and to be quite frank causing a huge amount of uh, antagonism uh, among the broader community um, if that's the, the goal of, of uh, governments and legislators to uh, divide and, and conquer well maybe they're not doing too bad a job but uh, we don't think that's the way to go the the, um, the concept of uh, registration is a is a primary one in that um, registration um, as far as I'm aware hasn't been proven to be the the uh, the single um, 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 issue that so solved any crime in Australia yep Certainly not that I'm aware. So why we continue with it is anybody's guess. Maybe they're living in hope that it might one day. I think we've got a lot more problems uh, than that. So registration alone is a very, very costly um, um, structure and strategy um, for no um, demonstrable net benefit, uh, as opposed to the point of firearms uh, licences now, I'm a, I'm a bit of a freedom freak. I don't really like any more restriction than, uh, than I have to uh, yep. uh, have. But um, by the same token, as a responsible organisation, we do support the idea that only uh, responsible and legitimate people, proven people, should have access to firearms. Yep. Because, yep. you know, that's, that's, I don't think anybody objects to that. No. But when we get down to the technical detail of just becoming, um, of where the structure is just becoming an impost and an buggerance um, of course as I say if there's no net benefit why are we doing it if there's no you know, positive outcome why are we doing it and that's the way all legislation of course we believe should be formed based on what is it we're trying to achieve and if it doesn't prove to be effective they should go back and review it and scrap it not push forward and try to put band-aids on it and, and make them which we believe they've they've, they've made um, um, impact in some cases more of a mess than they've um, than they've solved here in Australia but that's the, the, the go. So in New Zealand, as I say, they've done, done very well. There are appropriate checks and balances for licences. Um, uh, ordinary people um, who have licences can, can get their you know, CAT A, Bs and Cs. Um, CAT Ds um, have to ha they do have to be registered. There's voluntary registration for A, B and C. Yep. But um, the uh, CAT D does have to be uh, registered. It's um, semi-automatic firearms. Um, and to be quite frank, um, the, uh, the statistics coming from New Zealand indicate that they have no greater um, illegitimate use of firearms than Australia does for all our, our impost. So, yeah. And they're a very, very similar community uh, culturally. Um, you know, we've got very similar backgrounds. Um, as I say, we've got a, a, a constant uh, interchange of, uh, of citizens, backwards and forwards. You would think that something would rub off somewhere. If there's bad people, well, they'd be baby everywhere. Well, 
so it's a it's a great uh, model and it's small enough to be uh, a, a great sample so um, given uh, a few restrictions of course they only have one jurisdiction in New Zealand like one state correct, here correct, we are yep. dealing with the eight and that's and of course um, the, there's always the power plays among the politicians here in Australia which which is one of our problems here of course is they're, sometimes they're less uh, less focused on the uh, on the positive outcome to the community than than they are on their own uh, uh, need for power and control but that's that's something else again of course yep exactly uh, talking about registration going on for this I'm glad you just actually mentioned that New Zealand Police Minister Anne Tolley was quoted on TV1NZ News uh, saying that registration of privately owned firearms will have no effect on public safety and the government and the police don't support registration. Now, as you just said, which was great about registration, I mean, does the double S, I know this is your personal opinion, but does the double SAA support registration of privately owned firearms? If yes, why? If no, why? And also going on from that, uh, in regards to registration, especially surrounding the magazine, I mean, I'm talking to you now. What we're saying is absolutely fantastic, but we're not, Jeff. We're not seeing it in the magazines. Why is this not being pushed more? Well, it's it's funny you say that because. As I say, I've been doing this for, for such a long time. As far as I'm concerned, it's just a given. At no point in time has SSAA ever supported registration. Like that's just that's just our position. We just okay. don't support it. So we get to the point of where where I suppose newer people are coming along saying, "Well, what's the SSAA position?" Well, it's the same as it's always been. We, we just don't support registration. That's all. Um, if somebody asks the question, no, we don't support registration. We we, we do support the, the the principle that only um, uh, responsible. Um, fit and proper people should have access to firearms and that shouldn't be um, unduly onerous. Once they're proven to be fit and proper, that's fine, leave them alone. But um, that's that's been our position. That's not changed uh, at any point in time that I'm aware. So, um, as I say, from our point of view, it becomes a bit of a moot point to be just repeating um, the, if you like, the the stated position and the obvious. But then again, you know that that position has been the same since 1996, since registration was imposed on us nationally. Um, and and maybe maybe it, it does need a brief to to remind people of what the the WSWA general position is. So. That's, that's a fair comment, uh, Jason. Yeah, OK. I just want to go through a couple more things. I think these are, uh, again, I get a lot of emails from people saying a lot of different things, wanting to know questions. So we obviously, great, we just tackled registration. What about yep. um, the onerous restrictions on licensed categories? I mean, and this actually goes back into uh, self-defence, actually, not being a genuine reason to own a firearm. I know a lot of people, especially myself, very passionate about self-defence. Yes, I hope no one ever breaks into my home and it never happens to me, but... Jeff, we're seeing it every day. Just happened down here in Sydney. A lady in Westmead, you know, walking through the park um, on her phone to her husband, uh, basically uh, attacked, murdered, killed. Uh, no form of self-defence allowed uh, for a genuine reason to own a firearm, whether this is in the home or outside the home. Does the SSAA support licence categories and also the genuine reason, or, or would they accept the genuine reason of self-defence if it presented itself? Okay, the, the self-defence issue is, is something that individually, um, we, you know, we all have our opinions on, and I'm not necessarily against that. Don't get me wrong. I don't know that I'd actually want to see a society um, that's that's, uh, that's uh, totally armed for a whole pile of reasons. I think we've got enough trouble in Western Sydney now where it's illegal, um, and the, there's trouble there uh, as well. But um, by the same token, WSAA's charter within its constitution does not and, and hasn't ever 
been involved in covered self-defence as opposed to, say, the NRA in, in America, yep. where, where it's actually really quite different. Now, that is part of our charter. Uh, self-defence is, is not um, listed or mentioned as a sporting organisation. It, it is not, not part of what we do. Therefore, it's not that we're against it or for it or anything anywhere in between. It's simply not part of what SSAA was, was founded and structured and continues to do. Now, as I say, if in, even in America people talk about the NRA, but there are uh, um, quite a number of, of really quite influential and powerful organisations in America, as well as the NRA, who are actually, people say, oh, the NRA does this, the NRA does that. Well, actually, no, they don't. SSAA, pound for pound, is more effective and keeps more goals than the NRA does. Um, I know that a lot of people that's would like to That's a big statement, that. Jeff. That's a very it big, is a big statement. statement. <laughs> it is a big statement. Very big um, statement. But it, that, that, it, it is indeed. But uh, per capita, um, per capita, we um, we have more members than, than the NRA. We um, we do what we do um, with less staff than the NRA. Um, and I, I, I know the NRA guys, I deal with them. I've just come, returned from uh, from Germany with um, past President Bob Green, who is our international representative yep. from a World Forum meeting where we, we meet with the NRA, the National Sports Shooting Foundation, uh, the Second Amendment Foundation. That's from America. Don't worry about the Europeans. The Europeans yeah. Are, yeah. Are, are, are bigger in that, um, in that um, arena than the Americans. But um, as I say, pound for pound, and remembering that they have the Second Amendment in America. Now, considering they have the Second Amendment, which is what they hang their hat on, and we speak with them on a regular basis, without that Second Amendment, they would be in all sorts of strife. Um, so, considering the fact that's right, and and we're not we're not suggesting that we're um, you know we're we're on top of everything, but considering the fact that we have no um, legislated rights here. We've done, I don't mean double stuff, I mean shooters generally have done pretty darn well, um, but it doesn't mean that um, um, we're, we're um, home and hose, far from it, because the, those that, the, that are out there who would take their firearms off us are still alive and well and just waiting in the shadows. We all know that. So that's something we have to keep, keep um, on to. But unfortunately, we can't take the same line as the NRA because they fall straight back to their Second Amendment. We don't have that to fall back to. We, we have to pursue um, similar but alternative strategies. The direction's the same, and that's what we've just... We, we've got to actually work, unfortunately, much, much harder at trying to achieve the same result. Um, uh, as I say, um, self-defence, I'm, I'm not against self-defence, um, and I know that the legislators have worked around that and tried to make it as difficult as possible when you're involved with firearms, but even with firearms, there's the option of, uh, or the opportunity for equal and opposite force. Um, so, as I say, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a moot point, to be quite frank. Yep. It's, um, I, I really wouldn't want to be in a position myself where uh, I was having to defend myself in a court of law suggesting that I'd used equal and opposite force uh, yep. with a firearm under, the, under Australian legislation. Yep. But um, you know, we, we are living in something of a nanny state, and it seems to be getting worse by the day. Um, uh, so I don't know how we change that. Not not just related to firearms, but anybody involved yeah. in, you know, occupational health and safety and all the rest of it will be well aware of that. It's a, this is actually part of a much bigger picture, which makes it difficult for all of us. So, yeah. uh, as I say, I, I'm, that's not meant to be a cop out. We're talking no. about self defence. I'm not trying to cop out. I'm just saying that's the situation as we find it. Um, 
the, the self-defence issue may be an issue for another organisation to take forward. Uh, I'm not sure. WSAA would, would would simply, under its current structure, would not have a would not have a particular position on it. We would not oppose it. We're not support. It's just not not what yeah. we what we're about. So. Even non-lethal forms of self-defence, Jeff, as you know, I mean tasers, yep. uh, uh, pepper spray, which you know in sure. WA you actually can uh, carry the pepper spray. Uh, there was Correct. a case just recently, uh, I think about three to six months ago, about that as well. The lady that was carrying pepper spray, but someone actually sent me a photo the other day, and it says we allow our primary producers. Uh, to defend their livestock with firearms, but not our own human life. And I sort of thought about that for about 20 minutes, and I thought, very good point. We, we allow our primary producers, which is great, mind you, 100% support our primary producers, our agricultural farmers. Um, but we can, and this comes back to the self-defense part again, I know we just spoke about it, but we can defend uh, our livestock, but we can't defend our lives. Don't, we, don't you think that's a bit silly? Oh, yes, yes, of course. But one of those things on that uh, the point the the point that they can defend their livestock are they defending it against um, uh, other humans or are they defending it against predatory animals? Um, you know, in all fairness, I've, I've, don't get me wrong. I just don't want to be put in that position if I have to argue that with a legislator. I've got no problem discussing that with yourself. But a legislator will come straight back to me and say, "Hang on, hang on." Exactly as I said, you know, you, 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 we're, we're talking, um, you know, um, oranges and apples here. But by the same token. I do agree, and I'll tell you quite frank, I think it's absolutely disgraceful that uh, women um, are put in a position in, in Australia where they are unable to defend themselves, and I'm not necessarily talking about firearms, but by any means they can't carry you know, pepper spray, spray or mace or whatever it might be, certainly in uh, some of the, uh, the urban areas of the larger cities, um, and there is, you know, there's sufficient ongoing uh, assaults and attacks that, that happen. Um, and again, and it's it's for another arena. It's another probably for another debate. But I personally, I, I think that's disgraceful. You know, taking yeah. away that that opportunity. Because as you'd know, I mean, obviously, whichever way we dress it up, the SSAA is the largest organisation in Australia. Obviously, it's yep. growing uh, very quickly. So, I mean, you're in that position where, as you said, you like the, the NRA, so to speak, as in a, a large organisation, and maybe that's something in the future that could be addressed within you know, the, the SSAA hierarchy or the constitution of the yep. SSAA for the future. Because, I mean, at the end of the day... WSAA is the largest organisation, has uh, the most power. I can't see anyone in the near future unless something happens where you know, they come over the top of you guys, but I, could, I just couldn't see that. So I think you know, also we need to be proactive in making sure that we're covering you know, all our bases. But getting on to the next question, and this was a good one, uh, Jeff. You were involved in the Senate inquiry into uh, the banning of semi-automatic handguns. Uh, you That's did correct. a submission as well. Um, do you think this is this was actually championed by the Greens, who we know, you know but not really our friends? Um, was this a common sense debate, and how do you think your submission went? Well, we, we don't think it was a, a common sense debate. We thought it, we think it was just a, a, a cheap shot by the by the Greens, to be quite frank. Um, but um, we think. Uh, that certainly we think our submission um, uh, went, uh, or submissions generally, went very, very well. Uh, I don't think that the the Greens expected the sort of response that they got out of 400-odd um, um, submissions. Yep, correct. Um, uh, best part of, I think, 380-odd of those were um, um, from the firearms supporting 
uh, side of the, uh, the the debate. So I think the uh, the, sub- the submissions from the the anti firearms groups were were very poor, and and those that that were there were actually non factual. They were very very poor, and those that addressed the the inquiries personally, um, generally on behalf of the of the anti firearms group, did a, did a pretty darn poor job actually. But anyway, yeah, we think it, it, that it's gone well. Of course, um, that um, that uh, submission will be out um, late on the 9th of um, April, um, depending, of course, when uh, when your podcast. Uh, uh, goes up. We'll we'll be obviously monitoring that. We're working very very closely with uh, a number of po- politicians at the moment, um, and uh, seeing where we go. And we certainly will be responding uh, accordingly. But but we think uh, we think it's gone well. And it was to be quite frank, it was very very heartening to see the degree of unan- unanimity and uniformity of submissions that went back. And they were generally. They were well-balanced, well-measured, um, I'd almost say professional. Um, we, unfortunately, I've been involved in um, in lobbying for a long, long time, and I've seen some of the less desirable elements of the shooting community get some, some unfortunate press and be, uh, be put forward as representative of what we are, and um, it hasn't done us any good. But I think um, uh, the, the, um, the quality of submissions that came from the shooting community broadly uh, was excellent, and I think that will stand in our stead long term. Eventually, the legislators will be forced to deal with fact, uh, and I think that's what we've got on our side. Sometimes... I've got a saying that um, sometimes the truth just isn't enough, though. When we're dealing with politics, it's yeah. a pretty nasty game. And, um, <laughs> um, and 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 uh, to be quite frank, it doesn't matter something how hard you try or how right you are, sometimes it's just not enough. But it's certainly not um, something that, uh, well, as I say, we've been doing this for a long, long time and we won't be giving up in, in, uh, in the near future. So, and, and on Senate inquiries, there's another one coming up. We're putting a submission into another one uh, uh, for next week and uh, another one um, within a couple of weeks after that as well. So behind the scenes, as much as... And, and to be quite frank, we do get the information out there. We have e-alerts and e-newsletters. We have a magazine. We've got our websites. We've got happening news. We've got stuff everywhere. Um, we put it out there. We just, as I say, there's so much. Uh, it's very, very difficult to get to everybody, all the shooters. And unfortunately, um, we have our detractors within the, the, the shooting community itself. And to be quite frank, those people do not understand the harm that they do by their public criticism. Um, there's no, no harm in criticism, but it's not just criticism. It's downright nasty. It's, it's futile. And it actually uh, distracts uh, all of us from, from moving forward. And it gives the opposition traction and that's that's um, um, as I say everybody should be open and subject to criticism without question but um, there's a there's a way to go about it um, and uh, sometimes we suffer more from as I say our um, um, our the International World Forum president said recently um, friendly fire they even have to have it overseas in America in Germany and in Europe generally Friendly fire. They said they suffer as much from friendly fire as they do from the anti-gun movements, mm. and that is something that we we really should be addressing here in Australia. I don't quite know how. We 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 try to be civil and decent to everybody in WSAA. You'll very rarely ever see a WSAA uh, comment that is um, derogatory, um, you know, um, uh, nasty, you know, defamatory. 
No, that's yeah. that's not the way we operate. But um, we think that uh, there could be a lot done in that area, uh, Jason. Yep. I know what was quite pleasant, uh, Jeff, was uh, especially Senator David Lionhelm, Liberal Democrats, and also uh, Senator Bridget McKenzie. Um, from the Nationals, they were man, they asked some, in my opinion, some, and I got them actually on my YouTube page and wa- watched them quite a fair bit just recently uh, to get more facts. Um, what I did notice is they asked some very very hard questions of the Institute of Criminology and also the Attorney General's Department um, about you know, certain things in regards to firearms ownership, especially Bridget McKenzie in regards to the Attorney General's Department from. You know, getting things through within a particular time frame, especially the Institute of Criminology that only, if I'm correct, six firearms, uh, sorry, handguns stolen out of 48,000 firearms in Victoria, which I think was uh, uh, quite indicative that... um, Firearms owners are storing their firearms correctly. I mean, as you know, things are going to happen. Firearms are going to be stolen. But what I did note was the Institute of Criminology uh, didn't do any, didn't have any financing to do the illicit import of uh, uh, semi-automatic handguns or revolver handguns into this country. You know, I, I just found it very pleasant that finally some of our politicians, obviously are pro-firearm, really coming in and asking the hard questions of these agencies that are trying to, um, in my opinion, take away more of our freedoms. Well, without question, I think that's absolutely right. There's no secret. Uh, Senator Lionhelm is is a uh, is a shooter and a supporter. Uh, Senator McKenzie, um, in fact, uh, only up until relatively recently, um, had no specific interest or knowledge of firearms. She is just uh, one of those decent people, decent politicians, um, who um, is is supporting what is fair and what is right and what is just. And and uh, I couldn't speak highly enough of the of the uh, the position that she's taken. Uh, and I'm among a number of other other politicians uh, as well, but she's certainly been uh, a shining light, and uh, Senator Lionhelm's been a very very strong supporter. But you're dead right. Um, the um, the um, um, federal government agencies were, as far as I could uh, ascertain, were all found wanting. Um, they certainly, we believe, handled the truth carelessly. Um, they, they they've had uh, an agenda, clearly an agenda, whether it's their agenda or whether it was set for them, um, in uh, trying to um, uh, direct their their information gathering and the statistics to achieve a specific outcome rather than let it go where it will. Um, the Customs Department as well took a, a pretty fair hammering in that Senate inquiry, as they should have. Um, but of course, this is all based on um, on funding as well. But uh, the, the legislators can't have it both ways. They can't fail to fund and then blame uh, us as, as legitimate firearms owners for, for their own problems. Of course. But then again, as I said earlier, that's the way politics works. So um, we've, we've simply got to keep uh, working at it. But um, no, you, you're absolutely right. Um, there were some very hard questions. And as um, uh, certainly uh, Senator McKenzie, as she learns more and more about this, she will become a much more effective force uh, in uh, when when she's got all this information uh, uh, in uh, giving us some some real support um, just dealing with the the truth and the facts so it was um, incredibly heartening one of the best experiences we've had in a long time Jason fantastic tell us about your thoughts I know there was a very big gun debate especially talking about Senator Lionhelm uh, after the uh, Sydney's the Link Cafe Sydney siege now John Howard was again on the you know good old John Howard was on the radio he was on TV championing uh, his laws from 1996 my question is uh, how did he get access to a restricted pump action shotgun and what are your thoughts on this whole interesting debacle yeah, well, it was interesting. In fact, the, the, the whole issue simply indicated that John Howard's laws failed miserably. Just that's the bottom line. 
because the fact that um, um, the, the way they went about it, it was simply it, it was um, uh, simply a populist. Uh, political strategy at the time, very successful from a political point of view, very successful. Um, the, the only um, problem is it uh, didn't change anything. The the rate of uh, um, um, firearms crime and um, illicit use of firearms has um, the, the trend has been consistent since uh, since about 1980 and has not changed. The trend is is downward and um, has not changed. The firearms laws have not changed the trend one bit. The um, the the issue which demonstrated again the the, the federal department's lack of knowledge and briefing. Um, in fact, um, uh, the, even the prime minister was was caught short. I don't, I don't believe it's necessarily his fault. He's working on um, on advice from his departments, but but literally on the on the media, they're standing with his pants down around his ankles, um, <laughs> saying he wants yeah, to know why this person had a firearms license, mm. and and he had been advised by the federal uh, the Australian federal police that he had a firearms license. I mean, that's very now, bad. That's very it, bad. Well, the, the, in fact, uh, Jason, it's indicative of almost everything these government departments at this level do. Mm. Um, they, they get it wrong, and then they just fob it off and then try and lay the blame back on us. Mm. And this is where we are uh, incensed, and this is the direction that we take. We constantly try and uh, push back in these areas. But of course, um, it's um, unfortunately the, the the state of play is such that it's their game, and it's the only game in town. And we've got to figure out how to play by uh, the rules that that, um, that they set. And it's driven largely by by ideologies, not necessarily by the politicians. In many cases, they don't understand. They're, they're simply advised by their advisors, by their bureaucrats. And of course, um, in bureaucracy, um, the the pathway to promotion appears to be negativity. If you are negative and you constantly want to restrict somebody, that seems to give you uh, a bit of a boost um, up the ladder. And that seems to be the way Australia is going, not just with firearms, with just about everything else. So, um, But certainly with firearms, it's been uh, very, very sad. That firearm that the fellow got, certainly um, uh, he shouldn't have got it. But it wasn't a registered firearm. It wasn't handed in at the buyback. Why would it be? Um, nobody knows. Well, I certainly don't know where he got it from. Um, all I know is it wasn't registered. Therefore, it's um, to be quite frank, it's not our concern, which demonstrates what, what benefit has registration been. The, the fellow got it. The, unfortunately, whether people like it or not, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of firearms still out there in, in what they term the grey market um, that have basically, if you like, fallen through the cracks um, after the 96 uh, buyback. Um, everybody knows they're out there, but nobody quite knows where they are or who's got them. And that, that would be of, um, of concern to uh, everybody. It's not the ones that we know about, it's the ones we don't know about. Yep. So um, I, I, think, um, I think, as I say, bottom line is, I think it demonstrated that the 1996 firearms laws um, failed abysmally because if they had been a success, clearly that wouldn't have happened or they would have actually known exactly where the firearm came from. Yep, speaking, I, know going, I just want to go back a little bit, sorry, just to that Radio Live yeah. NZ1 interview you did last year. Now, I know the, the SSAA are big champions of, of pistol shooting and all types of uh, range shooting, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, as we just said, New Zealand uh, has the laws they have. They've still got, you know, quote-unquote, the assault rifles, AR-15, semi-automatic shotguns, pump shotguns for their duck hunting, etc. Um, if, if the SSAA supports... Uh, the, the use of semi-automatic handguns for target shooting, 
would they then support the reintroduction, as per your comments uh, in regards to New Zealand gun laws, um, to get our rights back pre-1996 for the firearms that I just mentioned? As I said, New Zealand hasn't had a massacre since 1996, if as far as I'm correct. Um, so the world hasn't imploded we, or exploded. We haven't fallen into oblivion uh, because of their laws. As you said before, they're very similar to Australia. Because, I mean, as a uh, pistols... I would. I don't have an exact figure, but I would. As you, I think you would agree with this, that a lot of crime, uh, an illegal firearm crime, is done with handguns. Double uh, S supports handgun use, which is fantastic. I'm a pistol shooter as well. Would they support the introduction of those types of firearms back to people on A and B category licenses, such as you know they want to go duck hunting in Victoria with their pump or their semi-automatic shotguns again? Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Oh, there's, there's no problem at all. SSAA have never not supported the reintroduction of, um, of uh, semi-automatic or pump-action uh, shotguns. Um, the only thing I've got to say is, to be quite honest, we have largely been fighting uh, very much uh, an action of saving what we have got, continuing to save, and stopping, and, and it's, it's constantly uh, happening. It's, it's happening as we speak. There's, there's issues happening in the federal government that we're monitoring very, very closely yep. and um, continuing to, to de develop. But um, we, we do have prioritisation, and without being unkind, the semi-automatics are not the top of the priority list. Uh, I have to admit that quite openly. Um, you, you're, uh, you're in New South Wales. You yep, know yep. the ammunition bill that you've just picked up down there. Absolutely. Now, yep. I assure you that um, th th maybe had we spent a little bit less time on semi-automatics and more time on fighting that, you mightn't have it. Um, so we're, we're furiously, in other states, of course, always fighting that sort of thing because it's mooted. Those, the, the authorities meet together on a regular basis. Um, they, they do know what they're doing. They're trying to be uh, coordinated as best they can. Um, so um, uh, it's just one of those unfortunate things. But certainly we, uh, we, have, we have competitions um, and even in feral animal control and hunting, you know, semi-automatics have their place. They were never particularly big in Australia, contrary to what might be suggested from time to time. Australia has yep. never been a big semi-automatic country, but I do agree <clears throat> that, um, in, again, in the, in the right hands with appropriately approved people, it doesn't make any difference at all, and they certainly should be available um, for um, uh, legitimate competition use. And we still have competitions in place for those um, types of um, firearms. So they still are there, and if we are able to get them back at any point in time, we will simply slot straight into it overnight. Yep, and we're referring to, as you said, hunting as well, so our duck hunting goes, okay, fantastic. Oh, yep. and, and the shotgun the shotgun thing was was just ludicrous um, in the extreme. Um, when we're talking about um, shotguns, uh, hunting, uh, uh, sporting shotguns of uh, magazine capacity, capacity of uh, uh, maximum of five shots, which is considered sporting shotguns, um, th that's just ludicrous that they should be um, uh, restricted and taken away. Uh, that's 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 a sort of legislation formed by people who are frightened of the dark. They just they, they <laughs> yeah. know there's something out there. They don't know what it is, but they just think that they've got to be frightened of it. Um, so it's uh, it's that sort of mentality and attitude that we're fighting. But we are fighting it. It's out there, and unfortunately, some of those frightened of the dark people are actually in positions of power and influence. And um, it's, um, it's not as, uh, as I say, and, and sometimes they, they don't declare themselves. You're not even quite sure 
who who you're fighting at a given point in time. So it's um, it's a tough one, but uh, no, we're very very supportive of it. But I do say it is a matter of priorities. We've we've only got X amount of resources, and and we have to fight the the battle that it's that's on the field today. Um, and quite often we do take uh, the position, how is this going to affect the vast majority? And they do tend to get preference uh, over the minority. We, we would never throw a minority to the wolves. I know some organisations did in 1996, and that still burns people like me. Um, and um, it's just one of those unfortunate things. I'm sure some of them have had, um, had second thoughts now, but the damage is done. We would never throw anybody to the wolves, but we do have to prioritise our, our battles from time to time. So, yep. um, as, well, as much as an excuse that is, uh, that, that is the way it is, I'm afraid. Yep. Speaking, well, you're talking about, you say, things being priority. What are, you, what are the, say, top two or three things at SSAA? What's at the top of their list? Well, that's that's a really good question. We're we're working generally. Even the states have been working. This, the the uh, if you if you monitor the politics closely, the politics in Australia has just changed quite dramatically over the last six months um, because of the fact that legislation is a state measure of well, we're state by state um, situation. Um, for example, in, in Queensland, I sat on the or on the, the previous ministerial advisory panel, and we made some some really good progress uh, in the in the term of the of the previous government uh, of some and, and when I say good progress, really sensible stuff, really sensible stuff. And um, there was a, a lot of other stuff you know on the drawing board. Now I can assure you that. Um, uh, Semi-automatic, um, oh, not semi-automatic pistols. Semi-automatic rifles were on the on the go. Uh, sound moderators were were um, were on for debate, and we've got people who think that it's like TV sound moderators, and, and <laughs> yeah. you don't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, but we, anybody in, involved in feral animal control, um, knows how important and effective it can be. Another example of New Zealand. Mate, they're everywhere. They're just everywhere. Um, Non-registered and, and, and everything like that as well. Exactly. There's no problem. Non-registered, they, they use them. And there is no demonstrable problem with moderators being used illicitly. Um, so it, it's we've got people in Australia who are simply peddling fear. And much of it is, is it's just pure ignorance. Um, and, and as I've told a number of politicians uh, to their face, the, the fact that they, they simply watch too much TV. Um, it just isn't like that. If, if they were able to get out there and educate themselves, they'd have a better chance. So, so these are the sort of things that are that are on the go. We, we would like to have um, some of the um, uh, categories, particularly Category C shotguns. And you mentioned semi-auto and yep. pump-action shotguns. Even if we got pump-action shotguns back for but reclassified back to Category A or B, for, for heaven's sake, yep. um, they could legitimately. So they're the sorts of things. But this is all done state by state. And it is very, very difficult because it does depend whether you have a sympathetic government at the time. Um, it depends on the structure of the organisation. For example, in um, New South Wales, you have uh, um, Shooters and Fishers um, um, Party uh, members in, in an upper house, yep. uh, which from time to time, and we're not quite sure yet what the outcome is yet, um, have, have possibly a balance of power, uh, as opposed to Queensland's politics, where we have no upper house of parliament at all. We have to deal with a lower house. Whatever the government is, is that's the government. So that's the sort of disparity you have politically between states. And if you have an, uh, a non-sympathetic um, government, um, it is an extremely difficult battle just to keep afloat. Don't worry about uh, making any, any serious gains. But um, So they're the sorts of things. Um, so it, it varies from, from state to state. And um, one of the, 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 
the probably the biggest concerns we have is this um, this rapid push for um, uh, national um, uniformity in firearms laws. Um, this this is pushed by the federal government. Of course, there's no legislative uh, power for them to push it, and the states um, do uh, resist this for for a number of uh, reasons. But um, the the biggest uh, concern that we have is very rarely do they take the best option, or the best option for us. Uh, they will always take the, the, the most stringent, and Western Australia is a classic example. Uh, they've got some, some ludicrous uh, laws and regulations there. Um, South Australians aren't far behind in, in many cases, and, and as we said earlier, even you have your ammunition bill in, um, in uh, New South Wales. And we know why that was formed. It was to deal with you know, um, you know outlaw gangs and, and the rest of it to try and restrict them from getting ammunition. But... Of course, everyone knows that that's going to change nothing, but it theoretically was to make the public feel um, as though the government was doing something and, and um, that sort of thing. So that's the, that's the sort of you know thing we're, we're battling generally, uh, Jason. But we, we're constantly looking at um, giving members benefits, de- developing shooting ranges, developing opportunities for people to own firearms. That in itself, the, the, the stronger we can become... As a as a total group, whether it be WSW or the shooting community as a whole, the stronger we can become, the more the politicians and legislators have to recognise us. It's just mm, fundamental. I agree with you on that. I've always said the more we can get in. I mean, we're what seven hundred plus thousand, seven fifty, somewhere around that amount, eight hundred maybe. I'm not sure. If we get more, yeah, in the two or three million, I mean, they will have to listen to us, wouldn't they? Well, it, it, that's it in a nutshell. It, it, it is it is a game of numbers, and people say, "Oh, well, I'm not going to join an association. I'm not going to do." And it doesn't have to be double double A, um, but they, they're doing themselves and the sport an incredible disservice. They need to be counted, and it's very very important. Uh, if I can just quote a couple of loose statistics at you back at uh, sure. at you back at 1996. Um, uh, prior to that in Queensland we had a, a lifetime shooter's licence <clears throat> and there were 320,000 of those licences that were issued supposedly for life that was between 1991 and 1996 or 7 um, and um, um, the police estimates were that the, while there were 320,000 shooters who took the licence up it's Queensland for heaven's sake you know we're a little bit different up here um, <laughs> the, the police, police estimated that there was something like 700,000 firearms owners in Queensland. That's just in Queensland. That's in, in 96. Um, so when the, um, the new licences and registration came in in 96, 97, there were 180,000 licences issued. Mm-hmm. Now, there were 320 on, on, on Friday, and on Monday, there were 180. And I know the president at the time, I wasn't the president at the time, um, but the president at the time was asked by one of the newspapers, well, where do you think these people have all gone? And he made one of the best quotes I've ever heard. He said, well, they ain't gone fishing. (laughs) They're out there somewhere. And uh, unfortunately, they do... We need them. They need to be counted. And I know they're, they're saying, mate, if I declare myself when they take our firearms office, they're not going to get mine and all that sort of stuff. Well, <laughs> that's great. Um, what, are they, what do they think they're going to do with them? Because if they take them off everybody, we, they, they won't be able to use them either. But we could sure use their numbers and their help, um, all of us. And as you said, to create some sort of a, a mass 
of, of a uniformly consistent approach and to demonstrate, and uh, you would have seen uh, recently, we've, we, uh, we've combined with uh, a number of other groups. That's part of what we're doing with WSW at the moment. We're trying to build relationships, partnering with, um, with and mate, I partner with government departments and the, and the like, um, certainly in Queensland, on a regular basis. And we're doing that in South Australia. Um, and I know New South Wales are doing a bit of it. It's Victoria. So I'm um, trying to engage um, uh, a number of these people. So the more we can, we can take positive steps and engage and become, if you like, uh, some sort of a force to be reckoned with um, and again it, uh, it's always um, important that one never becomes arrogant with their their uh, influence or, or power because it can be very very uh, short-lived but um, they do tend to be far more respectful of, uh, of groups that um, that, uh, that do carry a, a bit of clout. I think that's a, a basic fundamental, as you said earlier, Jason. Uh, numbers are important. We know the people are out there, and we're trying to grow the sport. That's one of the biggest things. Give, make, make it easy for people to come in, provide uh, opportunities, provide shooting ranges, provide hunting opportunities. You see our new... Uh, well, it's been going for a little while now. Uh, we're ready to launch to, to the rest of Australia the Farmer Assist Program. Yep. We're going to put um, uh, shooters in touch with farmers to show that we are responsible people. We are not the lunatics... That, that we've been portrayed in the media. Um, uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're decent, responsible people. So that's one of the big aims of, of SSAA, is to provide those opportunities to grow the numbers, grow the sport, make ourselves a genuine presence to, if you like, reclaim the night and say we are a, a, we are a group of legitimate sports people who claim their right to participate as a part of the mainstream community. Yeah, pretty simple. There's not much more to it than that. I know when obviously 96, when John Howard, you know, created obviously the, these laws and consult, you know, had some consultations with whoever was involved in it and created that genuine reason to own a firearm. Now, a lot of people have to join clubs. Now, it's very interesting that I find the antis out there are always saying there's a gun lobby. Do you think John Howard knew at the time of creating this type of legislation that, um, I mean, obviously people are having to join clubs? Because right now, people are jumping through the hoops to get these firearms licenses. Obviously, in my opinion, the Howard government was trying to uh, discourage people from owning a firearm unless there was a specific reason. So was, do you think, you know, almost, what, 18, 19 years later that uh, John Howard would have expected, you know, what we have today? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I, I don't think he or, or any of the legislators around him expected this, to be quite frank. And as I say, I was at the sharp end um, back at that stage uh, as well. And yeah. um, I can assure you that um, the, they were making suggestions like, don't worry about it in 10 to 20 years, you, the, there will be no firearms. You won't exist. There'll be nothing. They, they used the time. They would breed us out. Mm. And that's one of the big things you'll see with SSAA. We're very big on juniors and junior programs. We put a huge amount of time and effort into it we promote it incredibly heavily and um they they took the strategy you'll see by some of the legislation they restrict juniors at every turn well we have fought that very very heavily and um trying to bring people back into there i'm, I'm a great advocate of um of junior sport of, of kids generally you know but um it's uh, one of the the big things i don't think they expected it and i think that they've actually discovered within reason they've got something of a tiger by the tongue um, but again, we've just got to be careful that we don't, um, um, uh, if you like, turn and feed on ourselves uh, with unrealistic expectations. As I keep harking back, 
this is about politics. It's not necessarily about statistics. It's not about truth. It's not about right. It's about politics and mm. you know, whether we can achieve the, the outcome and how we can achieve it. And we'll um, we'll do, as I say, we've um, more recently been uh, we've been in Canberra twice within a month. And uh, in in Parliament House, um, you know, uh, um, holding well within within the last um, three or four months, we've been in there three times. So, um, and uh, literally holding um, centre stage. So, um, as I said, claiming our our rightful place to be recognised as and statistically, as we're, we're all well aware, we we have our own insurance brokerage and we're aware of firearm statistics. If it is not the safest sport in the country, it is certainly one of the safest sports in the country. Mate, that, that's a pretty big claim, but it's factual. Yep. And that's governed by insurance statistics. So um, uh, for, for the mums who say, oh, no, I wouldn't want my um, little Johnny um, um, out there uh, with, a, with a firearm, she'll let him go and play soccer, which is one of the, the, the actual, that has got one of the highest claim rates of, of all um, um, con- or non-contact sports, I should say, um, right up there. And um, these are the sort of uh, misconceptions. And something I did mention uh, uh, about about mums, one thing that is of interest and we're very, very heartened about, and America's understanding the same uh, benefit, increase in, in female membership has been very, very heartening. We have doubled our female membership in the last five years. And um, that indicates that we're clearly doing something right. We're appealing to, to ladies, work very, very hard on the juniors. But, um, but uh, um, uh, girls and women are um, becoming, again, they're, they're claiming their right to be people. They're ordinary people and they've got every right to be as well. So they're saying, if it's good enough for the blokes, it's good enough for me. They're out there, they're, they're target shooting, they're, they're hunting, they're, they're involved as well. And that is fantastic as well. And the, you know, the more we can have uh, and provide a place for, um, for women, um, that, will be, um, that will be a very, very positive uh, uh, initiative and strategy as well. So, and I'd put that to all shooting clubs and associations wherever possible. Engage uh, the, the women. Um, invite them along. You know the the old um, you know the, the the dirty old guys in in dungarees who hadn't bathed for, bath for a month. So hopefully those days are gone. We've we've come past that. And um, and as I say, uh, if we can uh, uh, engage that as well. But that's been one of the very very positive uh, things that we've noted there, uh, uh, Jason. So yep. as I say, uh, the, the the sort of thing, the, the sort of initiatives they they continue to come. And uh, a lot of our partnering partnering with universities. We're dealing very, very much with universities now, um, working with statistical research and putting funds in, supporting conservation efforts. We've uh, supported quite a number of conservation efforts. We've just had a, our conservation trust uh, signed off by the Federal uh, Minister for Environment uh, as a um, uh, tax um, uh, a tax um, uh, deductible entity for for um, uh, for contributions. So that's Double uh, Double Conservation Trust, in which we will then support other other conservation projects and areas that, that aren't to be hunted but if we can save some of the Australian native wildlife from the predators and our role is to control the predators and we don't want to hunt the, the wildlife so um, but we've um, we've got some some serious runs on the board all over the country in a number of um, strategies uh, that we've undertaken there so yeah there's the sorts of things that we're, we're, we're happening so it's it's happening behind the scenes and there's, there's such a lot of it um, you've actually sometimes even in the our, even our our publications uh, you've got to read all of it all the time. It's it's happening, and you know sometimes it's 
you know, last month's news. It's we've moved on to the next project. People say, what are we doing? We say, well, didn't you read your magazine? Oh, I didn't get a chance to read last month's magazine. Well, it was all in there. And um, I do have to say that to our members on a regular basis. Clearly, you didn't read the magazine. Oh, I didn't get time. Well, be, be careful about being critical because the You're stuff is quite it. often there. Yeah, and we, we do try and we do try and put it out. We're engaged at the moment in trying to do more TV. Um, we're working with a, a Sydney-based um, 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 production uh, group, and I just reviewed some of their um, their first takes today. Incredibly professional. Very, very impressed, and um, we're we're hoping to do more and more of this. And again, um, we're we're trying to stay a little bit away from the the gung ho stuff. The the the, uh, the antis just climb all over us as soon as we uh, get into the gung ho stuff. But uh, we present a a clean, professional uh, image. Um, all very sustainable and, and responsible, and um, we've got a half a chance because we've got that that moderate mix in the middle of community who don't have an opinion one way or the other. We're, it's it's up to us uh, to present the right sort of image that will at least say that well these guys are decent people. They're doing the right thing. Leave them alone. Or if we if we take an aggressive approach, and um, they, then they take the view that this this quite improper view we don't want australia becoming like america and i can assure you that many many american states gun laws are far more strict than australia's um the, the concept that guns are free and easy in america is just so wrong um in some of the states it is but you know, there's an awful lot of hoops to jump through and a lot of restrictions they have there that we don't have here and yep. this is um as you will unfortunately based on on uh, old wives tales um, and rumour, um, and, and in, in the nicest way, ignorance. And it's very much up to individuals to um, to try and get the the truth and the facts, and um, you know not to uh, not to trade on, um, on on ignorant misinformation because they our own people do more harm than good um, when they go down that path. So uh, interesting stuff. As I say, our yep. involvement with the World Forum, we're a founding member of that as well. Very, very involved, and we uh, we keep keep our um, our finger right on. We're one of the one of the executive members of that. Keep our finger uh, right on the pulse um, with what's happening all yep. over the world. Absolutely, Jeff. We're just going to go to a quick break. We'll be back with Jeff Jones, Double S Double A President from National. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Sporting Shooters Association of Australia proudly presents the largest event for the sport shooting industry right here in Melbourne, the SSAA Shot Expo, May the 23rd and 24th. For the true enthusiast, the SSAA Shot Expo showcases the professionalism and commitment to safety of sport shooting in Australia. Safety and training demos, ethical hunting and conservation, outdoor and camping, archery, it's all on show. The SSAA Shot Expo, Melbourne Showgrounds, May the 23rd and 24th. Pay on the day or go to shotexpo.com.au for sponsors, exhibitors and online bookings. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 024653 
For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and Hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear. All at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. Hey Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know, Jason, they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park. Or call them on 9620-1313. All right, Jeff, to finish off, we've probably got about three or four more questions, which I think are going to be great, so we'll hit those ones. Um, We'll talk about this before we're off here, but it does not seem, I mean, in my opinion, just from looking from the outside, and again, I wanted to get this information out to not only double SAA members, but non double SAA members as well. There doesn't seem to be a consistent viewpoint and possible ideology in regards to policy and gun laws within the uh, Sporting Shooters Association of Australia, uh, national, state, and obviously we have our regional areas as well. Um, would it not be in the best interest for the double SAA and its members for the organisation to have a unifying ideology and policy throughout the whole organisation? And how do the states work? Look, I have to agree it would be better. Um, and as I said earlier, because of the structure of SSAA, uh, each um, state or territory is actually an organisation in its own right uh, with their own uh, constitution, their own aims and objectives and directions. Um, each of them are a, uh, democratic organisations. They're very democratic. And in fact, sometimes that's our, our Achilles heel. Democracy sometimes can be a real pain in, 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 <laughs> achieving, uh, in, in achieving results and certainly achieving them quickly because you have to go through the process um, but as I say depending on um, the the general uh, thrust of, of the individual states uh, organization what their issues are what their legislation are it is up to the individual states to basically like play it how they see it at a given point in time and another and another state will see it quite differently and say, God, and I've done it myself as president of, of Queensland for quite a number of years, and um, I look across um, borders from time to time, and I think, I cannot figure out why you guys do it this way, um, because, <laughs> you know, you could get so much better results by doing this or this, and I've had a word, and um, and basically, from time to time, said, no, you keep right out of that, that's none of your business, um, this is our patch, and, and there's always that parochial um, stuff that goes on, um, <laughs> yeah. so... There, there, there is no easy way, but to, to give you some uh, support there, 
Yes, actually on the agenda at the moment we are, um, uh, came from the last national board meeting, um, there is on the agenda the uh, principle to um, establish a forum, a national forum, to discuss these issues and to see how we can draw this close together. That's on the drawing board as we speak. Now um, the, the, the tentative um, time for this forum at this stage is July. Uh, we've got to bed some dates and so forth down. Just, I can guarantee there's not enough weekends in the year because I spend most of them at meeting somewhere um, yeah. and, and this isn't necessarily mine but it's a it's a forum could be literally chaired by anybody but as long as we as long as we focus on on the outcome but trying to um, to share some more of, of um, knowledge if you like the problems try and work through those and is uh, as you say try and get some uh, a, a more consistent common focus um, Jason I think that's important by the same token it will vary depending on the state's um, uh, structure and and their legislation. Their legislation sometimes is is the is the deal breaker. They they simply can't bring a consistent approach uh, to the table because their legislation simply won't allow them in a number of areas. But uh, I don't disagree. But because of the democratic structure of the organisation, it's very very difficult. Um, the, the national organisation has no authority to stand over any one state, and I, and I support that view to be quite frank, um, because a state um, quite often um, does know its own needs better than, than uh, if you like, outsiders. Yeah. But um, uh, by the same token, I, I think I think there's more that could be done. Uh, but by the same token, I must say we do have a number of states who I would consider, you know, or, or almost bordering on being recalcitrant, uh, trying to get information out of them so that we can help them is like getting blood out of a stone. I find that incredibly frustrating, and they they believe that they're right, um, and that's all there is to it. Don't worry about. The, the, the facts and the statistics um, uh, and they, they will just continue down their, their pathway so uh, we don't have any authority but we, um, we can only work by um, uh, if, if you like a, a better better um, form of, of consultation sure. and cooperation certainly, certainly that's my view of, of the world and that's what, what I'll be aiming to, to try and achieve as well then mate. Yep. Speaking, you, you probably know about this one Malabar Rifle Range here in Sydney um, very, very expensive real estate in Sydney. Uh, provides a venue for shooters in the eastern suburbs. Great facilities. Uh, what are your thoughts? There was a deal. Uh, Liberal Democrat David Senator David Lionhelm uh, struck a deal with Matthias Corman uh, for a $15 million range deal. Now, what's your thoughts on that? I felt that $15 million was way, way, way too low uh, for what that range uh, is worth and the, the, the moving of that range possibly to somewhere in Western Sydney, whether that's Cecil Park. What's your thoughts on the whole, on the whole issue there at Malabar, if you know about it? Look, in all fairness, I don't know the detail of it, Jason. When I was in Parliament House there a month or so ago, I, David, Senator Lionhelm, did mention that they had been working with with Matthias, and and I and that they they looked like they were having a deal. I. I was aware of the of the issues when they lost the the um, the rights to that range, and they're coming back. To be quite frank, the whole thing has not been handled well by either the government or the shooting associations, and, and they need to bear as much responsibility as anybody. Um, it's been a bit of a dog's breakfast, unfortunately. But um, uh, it, it, as you say, it takes an awful lot of money to establish uh, a good shooting range facility um, to move it. Malabar it would be a it would be a tragedy if it's lost totally, and it 
it may well be. Um, we, we establish, and I speak with some authority in Queensland, um, we constantly, we, we, we buy land, we buy our own land and establish shooting ranges. We don't mess about, we don't look for handouts from governments, you, you'll be waiting forever. Um, yeah, true. On. Yeah, we just get on with it. But um, um, to be quite frank, to, to spend, um, um, we've, we've got one that we've just spent the best part of a million and a half dollars on, but we've established the basis of a, of a very tidy 1,000-yard um, shooting um, range. Now, yep. it's not a full ball range per se, but that's just, that's just one of them. So we've got, we've got, we've got a few. But uh, I, I, think, I think it's good, and I think it, it's, um, uh, as I say, without knowing the detail, I'm, for, I'm reluctant to comment on that particular one, but at least, in all fairness, somebody is doing something. And I, I give um, Senator Leinhelm full credit for at least taking the initiative up there and, and something is happening because before that, uh, not too much was happening and it's been, not too much has been happening for a fair while. So um, I, I just don't know. But we, we do need more champions um, uh, in government and um, finding appropriate land for shooting facilities is going to get harder and harder. And if we can't lock them up now, uh, we're going to have a real problem in the near future. So when I was in Europe recently um, speaking to uh, um, um, uh, some of the shooting associations from various countries there, they are having the same problem. They're losing shooting ranges at a rapid rate of knots, um, whether it be for safety reasons. Much of it is noise. Um, so there's a number of issues. We are not on our own in Australia, um, and we do need to uh, address the realities. And it's another initiative that we've taken um, uh, taken on board. I, I raised with the uh, the national board at the last meeting um, an initiative um, for support to establish a um, a shooting range and um, range safety um, um, seminar within the organisation. And we will be doing that hopefully within the next six to to nine months, uh, starting to get that uh, and bring that forward so that we can have a common pool of information and knowledge um, to draw on. Whether states do or don't want to draw on that, I I don't know, because restrictions in each state, again, are different because they're managed differently. There are different um, uh, regulations imposed by the various uh, approving authorities, whether it be police, was not military anymore, um, but it's police in most situations. So um, that's very difficult to deal with. But we do have some knowledge. We've got some quite experienced people within the organisation who have this knowledge, and we can bring this um, this stuff forward. But again, we, we do need the states to be cooperative. From a, and I speak now with my national uh, hat on. We need the states to be cooperative, be forthcoming when they've got a problem. Don't yep. pretend that they've got it under control and that they've got it fixed because they haven't got it fixed. Um, they're, they're a long way from having it fixed in many cases. Yep. And they would be very, very wise to, um, to, to share their plight and, um, and um, they're, they're under no obligation to take the advice, but to at least um, uh, take some advice from, from people who are genuinely trying to help and support them. So, so that's on the, on the drawing board as well. So we're, we're well aware of those issues, and I, I do trust that the, uh, the Malabar uh, proposal, um, or the alternative, um, is, um, is successful because, you know, down there, um, down there in Sydney, you, re- you desperately need, uh, need something. I'm painfully aware of that. Yep, I know. I went to the uh, Sydney branch. Uh, I was in the, the annual general meeting last year. Now, example would be uh, thirty, roughly thirty thousand members of the Sydney branch. Um, about three hundred showed up, which is obviously pretty bad. So, having your say to my listeners, what should they do? We want to continue, obviously, our sport, this culture for our future generations. So, what's your advice to them? Uh, we know shooters, I mean, that's, it's common knowledge. A lot of shooters are apathetic. They expect everyone else to do the heavy lifting. 
Well, the, they do, they do. Everyone knows, and it's common knowledge on forums and on this show. I've said it before, and it's, and it's not a, a hassling shooters. It's just the truth. So what is your advice to say, get off your butts? What what do they need to do to get in there? I mean, to make change within not only just double S double A, but also in general, writing their MPs. What advice can you give them to start getting active? Look, I, I would agree with everything that you've, you've just said there. They, they, they do need to get active without question. Um, yeah, writing to MPs, a, a visit to MPs, the, one of the biggest things is be um, well presented, be reasonably articulate they haven't got to have a you know degree in english for heaven's sake but um um you know honest is fine rough around the edges is okay but to be just plain nasty and aggressive and so forth is not going to wash with with authorities those days are gone and i i would stress that um i'm getting in there and demanding our rights well we all know about that um but i would say activism if they want to do something, get involved and give support. Don't get involved and constantly try and trip up the people who are trying very, very hard to push forward. And I must admit, what, much of our, uh, you mentioned earlier about things moving slowly, much of our time <clears throat> is, is taken up by being distracted, by having to look back over our shoulder uh, instead of being able to totally focus forward, looking back over our shoulder to see who's coming up behind us to mm. give us a kick or a back. And, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't be always held to account. There's no question about that. But that is a, a serious problem, and it's not just in Australia. It's across the world, people, maybe just shooters, um, um, tend to um, gravitate towards the negative. But they do need to, be, to get involved. They do need to support if they can't support or don't want to get out of the way and allow those that are moving forward to move forward. Mm. But um, um, it, it is important, and you mentioned before about uh, writing to politicians, make themselves known to their local, um, both state and federal MP, maybe even their local councillor. Um, make themselves known, constant um, lobby, try and make friends with them. Don't make enemies. We need all the friends we can lay our hands on. We don't need, and we'll have the odd enemy. We, we, we know that. There's certain, certain areas where you just can't win. Well, we'll write them off and we'll try and make, um, make um, friends or uh, establish good relationships elsewhere. And I, I've actually worked very, very hard uh, in my own uh, area um, uh, over um, certainly, certainly more recent years, and we've made some fantastic friends. Uh, we've got people on side, we've got people from barristers to, to teachers to truck drivers to university professors and who in many cases aren't shooters yep. but are supportive of what we do because of the way we've demonstrated we, we're prepared to act. Yep. And uh, as I say, if people can do that and don't be frightened of being a shooter, um, but as long as they support responsible, um, you know, sports, um, you know, men and women, I, I think we've, I think we've genuinely got a, a half a chance. Um, I think that's the best thing I can say. But yep. yeah, if if they're you know disappointed, you know, get involved and and help. Try not to be derogatory. Try and be supportive. Uh, that's the best thing. And yep. uh, when when you're asked for for help and support. Um, Give it, you know. Um, as you said earlier, don't leave it to somebody else because uh, for all the all the uh, the members we've got, and for all the shooters that are out there, gee, there's a, there's a we're very very thin at the top. Uh, uh, Jason, I can give you the word. <laughs> just a, just a quick one here. Um, airsoft uh, legal in most countries around the world, considered a toy in most countries, also considered a game in many countries, just like paintball. Double S Double A pushing anything in regards to airsoft or the legalisation of airsoft? Do they support airsoft? Good question. Look, we, we, 
in all fairness, we probably don't have an opinion on it, um, Jason. Uh, we, we're not for it, we're not against it. It's, it's not something that's actually been high on our agenda. It's not something that's been brought to us as a, as a major um, sort of issue. It's probably a bit like paintball. They, they have, there's a commercial organisation, they do their thing and, and they, they lobby for their own people and that's yeah. great. We say, yeah, paintball, that's, that's fantastic with what they want to do. I, I, I have a bit of a philosophical issue with, um, as a sports um, shooter, uh, of pointing firearms at, at other people. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I struggle with it. As, as a, with a military background, um, I have no issue with it. I, I can wear my hats quite separately. But sure. um, I, I, it's, it's just a philosophical issue. But uh, I think some of the problem is in the definition of firearms under the legislations that have been put in place in Australia to define a firearm, airsoft comes under the definition quite clearly. And I think the authorities are so concerned about uh, um, having the, the, the laws um, literally ripped and, and opened up for abuse that they're, they're by, by allowing uh, airsoft uh, under, the, under the definition of a firearm and that, uh, that fires a projectile, through, you know, whatever it might be through any means. Um, I think that's probably some of the philosophy rather than, than, than what it is actually. But we, ha we, ha we have not been approached in, in, a, in a major sense. It, we, we don't see it uh, at, this, at this point in time as, as a major issue. Or I can only say we believe that there are probably much, much bigger fish to fry at yeah. this stage, um, and that's the only reason. But we're not, certainly not, not uh, against it. As you said, it's um, Japan, one of the biggest things happening in Japan, a country that does have firearms, contrary to popular belief, but doesn't have many. Yeah. Um, and yet airsoft is huge through mm. Asia generally. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of firearms there, and airsoft big uh, big issue. Uh, and it's, but it's a bit like air guns generally, air pistols in New Zealand. Buy an air pistol, it's not um, um, not registrable at all. No, no problem. Um, how, how many how much crime is committed committed with an air pistol? I mean, a legitimate <laughs> air pistol, target pistol. So, it's um, not the yeah. first choice, I think, of criminals, Jeff. I don't think uh, so. Well, that, that, that's <laughs> it. Um, well, it's a bit like, um, you know, you've got restrictions in New South Wales. We, we have big cannons in Queensland. But on, on cannons, um, they say black, we're talking about black powder cannons now. Yeah. You know, not too many crims go in with their black powder cannon hidden under their coat to, uh, to hold up a, a bank or a 7-Eleven or, you know, or whatever it might be. I think there's, there's huge scope, if you like, for making some sensible changes to legislation but the legislators are clearly absolutely terrified and they're terrified of the media that's who they're terrified of that they'll be they'll be criticized and and um uh, held to account for watering down the firearms laws you know the sky will fall they are far more frightened of the media than they are of us yeah. and um unfortunately um the media are quite often not as responsible as they should be in in uh, dealing with the truth which is unfortunate yeah i know just a second last question before we finish off a good one i know we we're talking about to go back a little bit again but the nra we you've worked closely uh, you've been overseas uh, all these uh, representatives of the sporting shooters association um I guess my question is some people would say that the SSAA hasn't learned anything from the NRA. Uh, would you agree with that? And if they have, what have they learned from the NRA? Oh, no, on, on the contrary. Uh, we've, we've learned what, what they do well and what they do poorly. And they do do some things poorly, but they do do some things well. The only thing I'd say is they work in, in really a quite different environment. The, the, um, the culture of the United States is very, very different to Australia. For example, their funding... 
you have to remember that, that American uh, America is is uh, very much driven by people who make money, and it's a capitalist society, but it's also a benevolent society. People will give and give and give, and a lot of their funding doesn't come from membership. It comes from benevolent um, uh, donation. Now, in Australia, most shooters wouldn't give you yesterday's newspaper. Now, that's the fact of the matter. And I'm, I'm, I've been pretty tight as a shooter through my, my whole life and career. You're always <laughs> looking to save, you know, 50 cents on a packet of projectiles or whatever it might be. And as far as, you know, making donations and us, oh, well, you don't use my money and I, I pay my membership fee each year. What are you doing with all that money? If they saw how, how many times we made it go around. But back to, uh, to America, for example, they make, um, they have functions and banquets. They make $26 million a year from functions and banquets alone. Mm, that mm. really goes a long way to be able to do what they do. But can you imagine us putting on a function and banquet and um, <laughs> uh, any sort of function and banquet and expecting people to pay? You know, they, they, they'd want free entry, for heaven's sake. It, it's so, when I say I'm, I'm not criticising Australia, I'm just saying we are so culturally different. Mm. So they're things they do do well and they're able to do They get passionate, well. don't they, Jeff? I mean, they, they do. They're freedom-orientated. They're very yep. uh, Second Amendment. I mean, of all the amendments as well, they're very passionate about their history, where we, I don't think we have the history here in Australia. Well, and Jason, that's absolutely correct. Um, and for those of us that are passionate, as I say, I've come through the passionate stage, and I'll, I'll tell you what, um, I've been one of those, those um, if you like, leaders that said, follow me, men, up and out of the trenches, and you run out there, and you're, you're, you're 200 <laughs> yards out in no man's land, and you, you look behind, and they're all still cowering in the bloody trenches, and um, you, you think, mate, what am I supposed to do? So it is a, it is a bit of a problem when, when you do need the people behind you. They're not always there, and we, we can go back to our politics. Um, we know how many um, shooters we've got in the country. We know how many members we've got. We know this, we know that. But when you put that down to the politics, they will not support you politically. In America, yes, they will. Yeah. Um, so we've seen it, in Colorado out. too, Jeff, um, uh, they had a, a recall uh, due yep. to specific firearms laws. Boom, gone straight away, gone, lost their position straight away. That's right. That, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So they are, you know, much more influential. And but 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 their 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 members and their shooters will support when they put a call out. They will support. Now, in all fairness, my experience in Australia is you will get a small percentage who will support, but there's a large percentage who who won't. They will always find an excuse not to support, thinking, well, I've got more important things to worry about than that. They they tend to regard their 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 freedoms to own um, uh, firearms um, uh, uh, you know, under, under regulation, less important than the, 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 the fact that you know, um, they can buy a new TV next week because they've got a, some sort of a handout. You know? mm -hmm. um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of an unfortunate situation. That, that may be uh, being a little bit harsh, but I've got to say that it has been my experience over the time that um, for the guys that are, are good and passionate, they're, they're great people. But we are quite often, um, as you said about the passion, we're quite often as a total group not as passionate as they are. So um, they do, as I say, they do some things well um, in the States, but they're working with largely quite a different culture and a different set of circumstances and a different set of uh, laws. Mm. So as I said uh, earlier, we, and even the Americans re recognise the fact that um, we do punch uh, above our weight pound for pound, contrary to, to what some people might suggest, uh, given, the, given the circumstance we find ourselves in. 
Um, but we've still got uh, a long way to go, and we could use a lot more uh, support. But we we constantly uh, communicate with with the our uh, friends in the NRA, um, and uh, we we learn from them. As I say, we learn their strengths, we learn their weaknesses, we pick up what we can and run with it. Some of it looks a little bit more uh, simplistic than it really is, but um, yeah, it's uh, certainly something that we we don't just um, fob off. We Constantly on a, on a learning curve, Jason. Jason Perfect. Constantly. Mate, to finish off, no one gets away on this show without telling us a story. Maybe a hunting story, personal accomplishment, um, something that sticks out in your mind as a, a, a good day in Jeff Jones's life. And I want to, you know, you've got to sell it to us. A good story, you know, a time you got up and maybe hunted red deer and what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've got a million of them, uh, Jason. I can tell you, I could, I've got a million of them. Uh, done a few things, some, some of the good and some of the bad. Uh, every day is a good day, just some are better than others. But look, yeah. I, the only thing that I probably find as a, as a as as those moments when you think, well, mm, hopefully I've I've left a legacy. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm passionate about juniors. I, I do remember the things you, you do remember, and it, it's, it's going back um, a number of years now. Um, I remember I was I'd taken my son hunting um, for his first red deer, and he shot his first deer. Uh, he shot it cleanly, shot it well, shot it cleanly. Um, yep. um, and when we got up to the deer, I was so impressed that he was he was only a young bloke. I think he was thirteen, um, and I was impressed with his empathy for the deer. Mm. As a hunter, as a true hunter, if you don't have empathy for the the animal in some way, certainly when you're deer hunting, you don't have anything. You, you're just not a true hunter. And the, the Europeans are very, very big into that, uh, for those that know the European culture. Uh, I was so impressed the fact that he had done, and he, is, um, he doesn't get a chance to hunt much uh, these days for a number of reasons, but he, um, he, he has hunted subsequent to that and shot other, other deer. But I was so impressed with the fact that he was empathetic um, uh, to, to the animal um, from a, a hunting point of view, which was really good. So that, that's a sort of half the story. I think, well, that's good. I've, I've instilled some really good values um, here. Um, that's excellent. And then um, after that, he went on and um, in competition again, went on and, 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 and shot for Australia in, in the Olympics at a later stage. And the day that I, uh, I was there when he represented Australia in the Olympics for shooting, when I mixed the, 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 the two of, of <laughs> a, a young hunter yeah. and a competitive shooter, the fact that you can mix the both. And uh, as, a, as, a, as an older shooter, um, I suppose as a dad, I'm very proud, but as an older shooter, I think, mate, if we can keep this value going, hopefully I've left, left the legacy. And as I say, leaving a legacy is probably as important to me as anything else, but any of them, my own, um, own personal achievements. So Fantastic. Uh, that's not, not my doing. These, these young fellows, they, they have to do it for themselves. They, you know, no one can do it for them in shooting. You, you, you're, the, you're the only one doing it. So, so they're, 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 that's probably um, probably my story as uh, it gets through. And very big in, into um, juniors, and we've got to leave a legacy if we... If we're only worried about today, uh, there will be nothing left. They'll, they'll win and we can't have that. Yep. Jeff, to finish off now, if uh, people wanted to join the SSAA, they want to get involved, they want to get more information, what should they do and how should they go about it? 
Well, in, in this day and age, in the old days, we would have given you a phone number. These days, I'd say just go to our uh, any of our websites. Uh, uh, Jason is just double s double a www of course double yep. which is the national website, and that can take you back to any of the individual states' websites. They can join on there. There's just a, a, a huge amount of information in there. They can go into archives and see some of the the research and reports that have been done if they want to dig and scratch something as simple as see what disciplines are available what they might or might not want to do that's it just go straight to the website they'll find phone contacts there state contacts um, that's the best one just www.org.au just uh, flick it up and um, it should take them um, wherever they need to go but uh, as I say that's the secret or pop out to their local WSWA uh, range if there's, if there's one handy on a, or find out give them a give them a call find out when they're shooting go out and introduce themselves and as I say get in get involved as, as much or as little as they wish to but um, you know the old story they need to stand up and be counted that's uh, that's going to be the secret in the future. Yep, fantastic. Jeff Jones is the National President of the Sporting Shooters Association. Jeff, I really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much. Jason, been an absolute pleasure. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.